Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. And this is part two of our chat with the brilliant Hollywood producer, Jack Binder. Jack is not only the producer and financier of the Oscar-nominated First Reform, which stars Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried, uh, which was for director and writer Paul Schrader, which was the best original screenplay nomination, but he's also the producer of The Upside of Anger, which starred Kevin Costner, Joan Allen, and Rain Over Me, which starred Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle and Liv Tyler and Donald Sutherland. What about Man About Town, which he produced starring Ben Affleck and John Cleese? And, of course, the wonderful Search for John Gissing, which does star Alan Rickman, Mike Binder and myself. Yes, correct, I did go and search on YouTube, the end credits, and you can see me tap dancing, nay, hoofing, elegantly flapping my arms around in the background. There I am in some weird grey vest. Oh yeah. Why my career didn't take off after that moment, I mean, God only knows. They missed out, right? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely fucking hilarious, to be honest. Um, But anyway, Jack is also the founder of FilmBudget.com, which is the international leader in worldwide film budget and schedule services. FilmBudget.com, link is in the show notes. Head there, check out what he does. Jack is an amazing guy and delighted that he gave up his time to talk to us and you. This is part two with him and he starts talking about First Reformed, the Oscars. Ah, what more do you want? What's that? You want to know about the crowdfunder? Oh, is that what you wanted to know about? Sure, I will tell you. We are at 71%. Oh my gosh, yes we are. We've had a big jump this week. Thank you so much to those that have donated to my Food for Thought campaign for my documentary all about the plant-based lifestyle, how eating healthy can make such a big difference, not only on the environment, but also on the animals as well. I'm going to give a few shout-outs to those I know that listen to the podcast who have donated so far. Uh, Shout-outs to Darren Hosh, Phil Hawkins, Martin Webb, Oliver Cunliffe, Matt Hookings, Kate Milner-Evans, Ian Sharp, Mark Leatham, Anna Rubin, Chris Sadler, Mark Gillis, Andy Osho, Jessica Hennick. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. If I've missed anyone, I apologise. Thank you for listening and thank you for donating. You guys are amazing. If anyone else wants to contribute or just share it, then head to crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash food for thought. Link is in the show notes. And I would love it if you did. Okay, and before we get to Jack, I have to tell you about the next webinar. That's right, it's going from short films to feature films, how you make that leap. It is myself and Sean Langton telling you how you could do that. That is on the 13th of March in the evening in um, the UK and Europe. But wherever you are in the world, you can join us and listen to us and ask questions about how you can do that. So if you're in Brazil, if you're in India, if you're in Asia, then come join us. It's easy. Link will be in the show notes. And don't forget, if you like this podcast, do tell your friends, share it around. Get the word about. It's an info-making podcast and I guess can help you and get you inspired to making your film 
and you can find us on obviously the platform you're listening to now but you can tell them you can find us on Spotify on iHeartRadio on SoundCloud on Podbean on iTunes on our website filmmakerspodcast.com uh, and you can find us on Nerdly which is a brilliant website and you can find us on the Podfix network where there are some fantastic podcasts just like this one links are in the show notes all right let's get to this week's podcast to part two the podcast with jack binder here you go roll it up get yourselves ready and away we go here's another point a good takeaway and you know i always say i've made a career out of stating the obvious but uh you know people like to work with people who they like to work with (laughs) yep so true so true i'm casting right now and anyone who i might have heard something bad about or anyone who's oh they might be a bit difficult well well, i don't want to work with them then there's plenty of brilliant actors i want to work with the people i've worked with before people who i like being with on set i think it's vital i think it's crazy Mm. that people would be horrible on set or a little bit off what are you doing why are you doing that? Because it stops people they, like me and Don wanting to work with you again, yeah. and, and I'm sure you as well, Jack. Absolutely, it's so much about attitude. Yeah, yeah. you know, if you yeah, if you flag yourself as someone that's uh, prima donna or you cause trouble, or you know, there's always conflict around you. It's it's, it's a factor. It's a factor in your higher ability. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and your star you wanes. Cast be, yeah, cast be, as you mentioned it. You now go. the real pros don't behave that way. There you go. There you go. Um, speaking of which, you then went on to work with Adam Sandler on Rain Over Me. Speaking Meat. of great guys, yeah. Adam Sandler, he's just one of the best. I mean, I can't say enough great things about Adam and Rain Over Me. We have, so then we were went back, returned to my uh, home studio. I was on, on the lot at uh, Columbia Pictures uh, to do uh, Rain Over Me. Adam was amazing. Don Cheadle, Liv Tyler, oh. Donald Sutherland. Oh. Great. What a cost. Yeah. It was, a, it was, yeah, great working with the legend, Donald. And, um, and, and, but Adam is just what we're talking about here. I mean, he's the nicest guy. He treats everyone with such respect. And that's why he's so successful. He's so funny. He's warm. You know, and he really delivered on this movie. This is this was not his typical Adam Sandler uh, comedy. Mm-hmm. This was a dramatic comedy that took a real deft, uh, touch and he nailed it. I mean, he just really, really nailed. It. He put his heart and soul into this. He really wanted to deliver on this role, and he he certainly did. And that makes a but, big difference on set, right? You can see then if he's delivering, and someone who everyone goes, "Oh, it's Adam Sandler," but actually he's brilliantly professional. All the rest mm-hmm. of the cast and crew step up. They all sort of go, oh, right, well, he's leading that ship, if you like, as the name of the piece. I better step up my game. And it's so important. It's huge. And, it, and it's it's such an interesting thing as well when, when you get someone who's who's like a, a comedy actor and they kind of, you know, step step slightly outside of their comfort zone into something else. And it's it's incredible to see how much they put into that transition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he especially, you know, if you look at some of the movies he's done, like Punch Drunk Glove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's he really delivers on that that side of his his repertoire. And, uh, like a funny story, you know, we were filming this. We filmed on a lot here in, uh, in in Los Angeles, and then we filmed in New York City in the streets of New York. 
And we had these rigs. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie, if anyone's seen the movie, but his character, he rides around in scooters. And then we had the uh, the shot maker as well doing scenes with the two of them on it. So we had to have a, a shot maker with them uh, on a platform, had him extended out. So it looked like he was riding the scooter around New York, but obviously he wasn't. He was on a rig so we could get the close-up shots of them and over-the-shoulder shots. But the we would go through downtown New York with him on this rig. And one of the most difficult parts of getting the shot was Adam was just saying hello to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone waved to him and he would take time and wave back and say hello. And we'd be like, can we shoot please? And you know, he never, you know, he never, never, never would turn away an, an autograph seeker. You know, he's just, you know, he just makes the time, you know, he's happy to do it. He's happy to do it and, and uh, say hi to kids and, and, and everybody that, that, that reaches out to him. And so, but I always have really fond memories of being on the shop maker as we're driving down Park Avenue and he's just sitting there waving at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a guy. And how nice. Though, I imagine it's occasionally annoying for Mike. Can we just get the shot? Please stop. Yeah, stop. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Right. So you've, you've okay. worked with some amazing people. You've made some amazing films. Um, and I suppose we have to get to First Reformed at some point yeah. uh, soon about your Oscar-nominated film. Is there anything you want to talk about before there? I know you made the uh, Domino Effect and you made a short as well. Um, uh, and obviously Martha Pinsent's Tomorrow as well. Yeah, lucky to executive produce with uh, the great Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Uh, working mm-hmm. against Stephen Fry. It was great uh, to work with Stephen again. And uh, we had a great cast, Stephanie Leonidas, Sophie Kennedy-Clark and James Cosmo. Again, a lesson in uh, patience in your financing. Right. Uh, sure. You know, uh, and then the domino effect, I'll just touch on that real quickly. He's a, a great director, Paula Vander Est. Yeah, uh, this is the first time you've worked with a director for a while that wasn't your brother. Now, yeah. was this interesting for you? Yeah, it was really interesting. She was terrific. Paula's great. Uh, you know, she's a very creative producer. She did. Um, uh, some great films that won much acclaim. She's uh, from the Netherlands. And uh, this was one of the films I brought in for the Michigan Film Tax Incentive. Uh, right, yeah. So that's how I got involved with that. It filmed, it shot in China, India, and all over the world, all over the world. And it was a great film. And it was a really, a real lesson um, of the times. And you had amazing cast in that and a lot of British actors as well with Theo James, James yeah. Darcy, uh, who else you've got? You've got uh, David Heyman as well, you know, some some brilliant uh, British actors and actresses. But but because... Yeah, that was back to guerrilla filmmaking. That was a real low-budget film. Well, I was going to uh, say, because you're shooting all over in every in loads of countries there how do you work that out in terms of each country in terms of right okay we've got a plan to go there and in the sort of speaking to it do you are you doing co-pros with each place how does it work you know you know after doing so many studio films and you know it was a good thing that we did independent films i did independent films before that really get you know you really sharpen your toolkit as a grill filmmaker as you guys know and then you go to the studio back into the studio world and it, you have the uh, the comfort of, of good financing, and then you go back into the independent world again, and you have you have all these skill sets, and one of them was applied to this film that 
you're lean and mean. I mean, we were so lean and mean. You know, we didn't we didn't have the the bandwidth to do co-productions in all these countries. You know, you just get in, you go, you find partners in you know loose partnerships and 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 savvy people on the ground, and you you just get your shots. You know, having so many countries and so many locations, you know, we you're not shooting for that great a period of time in any one. So it's very get in, get out. You know? yes. <laughs> Just get in, get out. And uh, yeah, you know, if you did that at a studio level or at a bigger level and you tried to do it, you know, the way you would do it with all the legals and financials and contracts. And I mean, it would, it would take three years just to put all those deals together. Mm-hmm. But Paula, Paula was so, so terrific. You know, she just, She's just in her her and her cameraman just go, you know, right. just go and go and do it. You know, yeah. I did everything on the uh, everything above board, but but you just you you know the, that world of contracts and copros and incentives and that sort of thing would have would have just slowed that down. It, w- it never would have happened. I mean, this was a real guerrilla maker film. Yeah, and I love the film. I mean, I had a tear in my eye when I saw the final cut. It screened here at the American Film Market. and um, So, no, that was really exciting. That was a Michigan film incentive one. That I, did, that I, had to, I came back to England again to do Tomorrow with Scorsese. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, you know, one thing I just say is just the importance of uh, you know, what happened, you know, through going through this process just taught me the importance of knowing the business, knowing the 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 and having the proper uh, tools to 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 uh, to get your film into production. I, mean, I formed a company called FilmBudget.com just for this reason. The lessons I learned was you need to have hard figures. You know, I was I you know I'm approached for projects all the time, every day, hundreds of projects, and I see a lot of things coming across my desk, and I was seeing so many. Uh, projects that just you know the budgets weren't solid they weren't exactly real and so what I started doing was offering through people that came to me that uh, on a very select basis uh, due to my bandwidth was create a budget for them you know and I always had filmmakers and financiers and people in the business coming to me to ask me to do a budget for them because as a line producer that's what I do we do and so I kind of started a little side hobby years ago. And I'm like, you know, this is just a little hobby. It was a joke. And, uh, you know, when the, when the economic crash came in 2009, I kind of dusted that off. And, you know, there was a lull there. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, this will come in handy. Uh, and it did. And uh, so, but my, the point of it is the lesson is you, you must have solid knowledge uh, and understanding of your budget. And when you're talking to investors, it shows and it's very evident, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially, you know, after the crash of 2008, 2009, you know, I I like to say the stupid money left the building, you know, the stupid money left the office here (laughs) and and it's not coming back um, anytime soon. And so what you were left with were people who are smart and now investors are very savvy. They're very they're very skeptical of the industry. And uh, and so it, it even it behooves us even more as filmmakers to be extremely sharp with our numbers, have really concrete, solid um, film budgets that make a lot of sense 
created by a, a professional and film a film finance plan is is crucial you know gone are the days where you just go hey want to buy my script want to buy my movie great you want to finance it great okay let's go shoot you know what happened was what the evolution has been that finance sources distributors studios they went through a long period where they said all right we're, we have to cut our overheads and to cut our overheads we got to cut development to cut it development we've got to stop getting in on films from the very beginning and covering all the costs and doing all the work it takes to bring a film to be ready to shoot. So let's just put that all on the filmmakers. <laughs> so that's yeah. what happened. Was it, it, it now it landed on our desk. Not only do we have to conceive, develop, and come to put a project together, but now we're responsible for, you know, really being ahead of the curve on on the, the film budget, the film finance plan, the financing, the casting, development, everything. You know, so we went through a period where they were, they, you know, in, in foreign sales companies, and they just were just like, get, give us finished films. And where they used to say, we want to be involved very early, and we want to have influence on it, and, and we want to be intricately, intimately involved. You know, we went through a long period where, they're like, okay, we don't want to take a risk on a project from the beginning. Just let's see it when it's done. Mm. <laughs> and that and that put that put a lot of onus on 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 us filmmakers more so than we originally had. So that was a period uh, during around this uh, the period that we're talking about where I would really start focusing on that and using my my line producer and manage uh, production management. You know, I oversee a lot of films. Mm-hmm. as kind of an executive level as well, whereas kind of uh, like a studio executive would in, in managing the production, looking at it from 10,000 feet and making sure all the elements are there and in place. And a small part of that is I, 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 I have this, my side uh, production services company that, you know, people come to me from all over the world uh, to do a film budget and schedule, a film finance plan, film tax credit analysis. I mean, th- these are things we didn't have to really worry too much about as filmmakers. But now that's it's 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 an uh, intrinsic part of our our our, uh, our workflow. Yeah. Is what's the tax? What, where are we going to shoot this? What's yeah. the tax credit? You know, how much am I going to get? How much am I not going to get? You know, mm-hmm. and, and this goes in. So so my point is that you know, it said what, what was going on in that period. This was really defining that as film tax credits in the States really took off and, and worldwide. And anyway, a little plug for filmbudget.com. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it looks amazing as well. So anyone go have a look at filmbudget.com. Uh, some great little bits and pieces on there. But I, I think you're absolutely right. I think w- we as independent filmmakers, we kind of have to know all that. I mean, Dom as directors, writers, you know, we are ending up producing stuff. Um, so Massively, yeah. So we have to know this stuff. We have to understand film budgets and we have to understand tax rebates and waterfalls and how the money can come back to your investors because inevitably it's people like us who are speaking to the investors. So we have to kind of know a little bit about what we're talking about and then we can pass it on to our you know lawyers and stuff when it becomes really tricksy but yeah and uh, i mean know. like in, in terms of co-productions like that's just it's just something that's becoming massively prevalent because you get so much more for your film if you if you first of all you get interesting production values because you're shooting abroad 
And, you know, secondly, you're just getting so much more on screen because you're you're just saving raw cash. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I always say, you know, the the the, the film budget is a roadmap to the production of the film. Yeah. And, it, and it's and and your film budget is a reflection upon you and your team to the financiers, the distributors, to anyone involved who <clears throat> needs to, to approve it and review it. Greenlight, the completion bond guarantor. So it's it's really and and and, the, and professionals. It says everything about you. So when you look at it, and that's <clears throat> this is kind of where the genesis was for me to help f- fellow filmmakers, which I enjoy doing. I mean, obviously, I love doing it, or I wouldn't do it. Is you are you're you're viewed kind of like your demo reel tells mm. tells the story. Well, this tells the financer, your film budget tells them, you know, that you know what you're doing and you, you have a plan yeah. with, their, with how to spend their money. Yeah. And you're not, you know, you're, you, you've really thought it out. You know, when I, every budget I do, I put it through my head like it's my movie. And, you know, that's, that's a roadmap for anyone to look at. They, for that unique film, for that unique screenplay, that's how the production is going to pan out. Now, obviously, there's a lot of similarities, you know, in, in, from film to film, but there's also a very unique process and how, how the film budget and the schedule as well. Yeah, um, yeah. How it's going to be shot, where it's going to be shot, what's the most advantage, tax credit, and then there's other factors, you know, the, the crew depth, et cetera, et cetera. I may mean, go on and on. But, you know, what, maybe that's not the best place in the Czech Republic maybe that's not the best place in yeah. Hungary or you know maybe Ohio is better than Atlanta at certain times of the year you know so there's so many different factors to take on board that, that like you're right that you guys didn't have to think about it. you know especially uh, non-producers you didn't have to really think about it but it became more and more our responsibility of filmmakers to take it on yeah for studio films it's like you say it's different independent films it's yeah you've got to you've got to muck in and do everything and and your uh, production company green trees films as well um which is great because you've you've there's so much stuff on the website there that just it it spells it out a little bit but what's really nice about what you do there is that you're trying to create films that are uh, a little bit well like the name suggests uh green trees you're, you're thinking about the environment and the world um as well and i think that that's vital i'm i'm making a documentary at the moment which is all about the vegan movement and how we're treating animals and and what you're doing there is is wonderful and it's really important that we kind of have a little message as well when we're making films and um yeah it's great what you're doing i love that oh, thank you thank you yeah i'm very passionate about that i mean it's one area yeah. but where I let my passion really enter the the business side is is you know we as filmmakers if we do have that inclination to put the message out there and it's very important to me to yeah to, to support support filmmakers I do whenever I can I I support filmmakers and and my and you know seek out product myself that that you know represents the values of you know protecting the environment wilderness I mean without going on a rant here, mm. you know, what, you know, the, the extinction event level we're at, yep, I know. Uh, yeah. you know, and there's, there's so many great voices out there and it's good. I'm so happy to see so many emerging such as yourselves yeah. and, uh, and, and getting, getting these, the word out to these films because, you know, it's, it's just the power of the people and the message to get out there and, 
and take action that we can overcome the naysayers and mm. the forces that don't want us to do do well you know yeah so 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 leading on from that um directly into first reformed because that's there's a there's a bit of an environmental message kind of uh you know in the in the heart of that film um was that something that kind of attracted you like how how did you kind of get involved with that yeah i mean that definitely you know having just said that that played a big a big part you know i was very pleased to see it having the underlying message that it does uh, which is brilliant. Paul Schrader's uh, screenplay and his directing are just outstanding. And, you know, from the first time I read the script, uh, you know, I was in love with it. And uh, I just thought, this is an amazing film. This is this is one we've got to do. And uh, it, it was, I was very happily uh, surprised to, to see that that message in there that, you know, the, the, you know, for, uh, I'll let Paul speak for himself as he does. But, you know, my favorite line in the movie, one of my favorite lines is, is when Ethan says, well, somebody's got to do something in reference to the, mm. to the planet and the earth. And, you know, there's just this underlying message of why, why is the church not more concerned with taking care of God's creation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what jumps out to me in mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke's amazing performance. You know, I'm so happy that he just he, he, he all the acclaim he received for that role because he just did such a great job. Yeah, so, I mean, he he's a fantastic. I mean, something that we really like in in the UK is that there's there's these Hollywood level actors, um, and there's quite a few of them that will genuinely sort of take on you know quite a lean sort of independent budget. Uh, for the right role and, and Ethan's definitely someone who sort of fits into that category like how did how did he kind of board the projects and, and what was that process like yeah well you know he it was obvious early on that he was very passionate about the film and very passionate about working with Paul and uh, just uh, you know there was a sense that that this is just a film he had to do and he wanted to do and you know he, he gave it his all you know he he really did and, you know, I think the chemistry between him and Amanda Seyfried and with Paul Schrader, you know, they, they clicked. It really clicked. Mm. And, you know, yeah, I think you're, you know, you nailed it. You know, he's the kind of actor that can do a big studio film and he can do a small independent film and bring just as much passion to either one. And, you know, he's a director. He wrote a great, he directed a great film called Blaze. Yeah. Uh, that mm-hmm. came out the same year. And, uh, you know, so, no, it was, he's just so refreshing to, to, to see a guy put himself in the line like he did. I mean, this role, it's, this movie's all about Ethan. Yeah, absolutely. Hence all the Oscar buzz beforehand. But just, just so people know, who, in case they didn't know who Paul Schrader was, he's the writer of Taxi Driver and the writer of Raging Bull as well, just so people know. And he's obviously the writer and director of First Reformed, which has been Oscar nominated this year. Um, uh, so people, again, if people don't know what it's about, it is about a, a minister of a small congregation in upstate New York. He grapples with a mounting despair brought on by tragedy, uh, worldly concerns and a tormented past. Uh, so obviously by that, it does delve into lots of issues. Um, so is this, obviously, this is a fantastic script. You wanted to get involved. Did they come to you with it? How did that work out? 
Yeah, they yeah they they came to us and uh, they they had been trying to make it for many many years and you know Christine Vachon Killer Films. Well, that's uh, interesting because had- that's a full circle for you then because that's Michael Phillips, right? So that when you first started in the business and now that whole big circle coming back around with Christine Vachon and her company Killer Films. That's quite a nice. You know, that, that, even more to the point, Taxi Driver. You know, Michael Phillips produced Taxi there Driver. There you go. Yeah. See, many years later, uh, producing a film for the writer director who who wrote Taxi Driver. So yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was a big, big full circle to it. So I, obviously, I was I was very much I was very excited when the opportunity came forth, and uh, and uh, I, I immediately thought it was a film we should do and we should finance. I I, I represented the finance company on the film. I was a producer on the film. Uh, and I represented the the interest of the finance company and managed the production from again from like a ten thousand foot view of of every element of it using all my years of experience and making sure everything's on on track and everything's in good stead and you know in, in Paul's capable hands there was not too much to worry about and mm-hmm. uh, um, fortunately and I mean he's such a pro I mean amazing amazing uh what a professional he is I mean he's obviously been doing this quite some time and uh so you know I read the script and just immediately felt this was something really special and and there was there was no question you know it, uh no question in my mind that this film should get made and that uh, this filmmaker should be supported and uh and I'm just so happy we did. I mean, oh, it just... yeah, yeah, absolutely. But with that, and that's because that's really interesting because you sort of said they were struggling to get it made. You came involved, got involved, and you brought the finance, if you like. So it's what you just said. How did that work then? Do you go to, a, uh, is it a group of investors? Do you go to your team? So that we understand how that side of it works. Yeah, I, um, you know, there's a million ways to slay a cat. And Indeed, it comes yeah. in all different forms. We, my partners and I had set up a film fund in uh, London uh, several years prior, and uh, with this goal, I mean, this was this was our, our goal was to make films at this level. We had a specific model that this fit, and uh, you know, at this budget level, and uh, with this pedigree, and you know, in our I think in our wildest imagination, we didn't think we'd have such. Uh, a critically acclaimed the movie. Mm, I mean, massive. I think it still is, but at one point it was the most, the highest, most critically acclaimed and highest rated and reviewed movie in America. Wow! Uh, it was like ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, you know, must see number. You know, the must definitely want to see numbers were enormous. Not that anybody was. <laughs> well, you well, you were. Our, our listeners are. We're very excited and proud of you. Absolutely. One of my colleagues in the film fund that I was telling you about, we we launched to make just this kind of film, um, is uh, also the founder of a company called Atomic Arts, which okay. is a, a visual effects company that provides uh, visual effects to all the major studios. They're currently doing work on Dumbo. Wow. And they've just scored some work on Game of Thrones and okay. Alter at Netflix and they're a great company and I just want to mention them because what I'm uh, you know based upon all my experience in the film business and being in the studio world and independent world as what I'm uh, 
I'm helping them out with is is introducing them more to the the, the independent world and helping filmmakers who are looking for studio quality visual effects, but might they might think normally that it's out of their reach to yeah. get to get this high a quality of of work done in their films. And one one of the ways I'm uh, approaching uh, filmmakers in in all of my skill set that I bring to productions is yeah. giving people an avenue to a company like Atomic Arts Visual Effects where they can uh, get these uh, get these high-end studio quality work into their independent films. But what we've put together is a program where independent filmmakers can access this type of talent and this type of quality product. So, and the reason I mention this is the, um, the founders of uh, Atomic Arts were, uh, were backers in, of First Reformed. AtomicArts.com, can they res- find them that way, do you think? Absolutely. There Absolutely. You <laughs> and you know, the thing is, it just goes to show that if you get a good story and a good production, you don't need a massive budget. You can you can get an incredible film out of out of very little. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with a quality story. And I, th- I think, you know, what the underlying truth was of this film is not only is it a great film, is Paul a great filmmaker, Ethan a great actor, and Amanda Seyfried did an amazing job, and all the cast involved and crew. but. I think there was a a yearning and a vacuum for real cinema, mm. you know, in a world of, of robots and, and VFX laden movies, which are great and great for the, for the, the film world. I think here was a movie that really stood out as, as a, a real cinematic, not old fashioned, but kind of a throwback to really quality cinema, you know, and, uh, and by a real master. Paul Schrader. Wow. Did you know that it was it was going to win awards as you were making it? Did you know that it could get nominated for an Oscar? Because the buzz before the Oscars were announced was huge. Did you know that that was when you were making it, that that was even on the cards, or were you, you just trying to make it at the time? I quoted as saying amongst my team, and, and they all credit me with uh, saying that I felt it for sure it would be a uh, very highly regarded film and that would i i didn't go so far as to allude to oscars and awards but i thought it would be for certain a festival darling and do quite well in the film festival circuit and be embraced by critics I, i really felt that amazing and with something like that when it starts getting the Oscar buzz. People talk a lot about this uh, train that you have to get on, this kind of Oscar, you know, um, pushing your film out there and, and letting people know that this could could do the Oscar. Was that something that happened here? And if so, what is that like? You know, it was, it was a tricky one. You know, it, you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to foreshadow, foreshadow that or broadcast that, you know, what we were just, you know, we were just happy that, that Paul and Ethan were so well recognized yeah, uh, yeah. By, by the critics, you know, the critics embraced the film, you know, um, and they, they saw it. And I think that's why when I, was, I mentioned, you know, they were, I think they were, they were hungry for a piece of cinema, you know, a, a real cinematic film. And uh, so, you know, I don't know too much about that world of, of, of positioning and posturing for, you know, that I'll leave that to the distributors, you know, that's kind of their world. Uh, you know, 
what you can hope for is is that you make a great film that gets good reviews and is is recognized and appreciated. I mean, I'm so happy that you know anyone I know that have seen it has seen the film, really connected to it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I always judge a film. I always can tell a great film in my mind, and not, not that I'm saying this is a great film that I produce, but I love a film where you walk out of the theater and it just has a huge effect on you. Yeah, yeah, and it does, and it sticks with a sticky film. It sticks with you, and yeah. I hear constantly about this film. I'm like, I, I hear people say, "God, I'm still thinking about this film weeks later." Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. the kind of thing that inspires us, isn't it? Like growing up, it's you know, you you watch a film once, and, and you know, there's a, there's one pivotal moment in it where there's a tragedy or there's a character that says a line, and, and that kind of moment might change change your whole perspective on life, or it, it might make you think differently about someone, or it might inspire you to make films. And you know, that's kind of the the moment of uh, you know film that's so magical, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't look back at some of the great films of Scorsese and Paul Schrader and mm. Spielberg and uh, Lucas, and you know, think, wow, I want to be a filmmaker like that. <laughs> Coppola, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, for the like, if you had a choice for the rest of your uh, filmmaking life, would you? And you could only choose one. <laughs> this is really harsh now. Studios or indies? What do you prefer in terms of producing wise? Studio or indie? Good question. Um, I put it this way: I'd, I'd hope they'd be one and the same. <laughs> mm. I was really upset when they jettisoned their indie film division. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when that pod left the mothership, that was really a sad day for, uh, for us filmmakers, you know, to lose that, uh, that pipeline. Um, well, so I, I guess, I guess in a way you're kind of plugging that gap because you're making, you're bringing those kind of level actors and making those kind of in- intelligent films. Thank you. Yeah. And, and trying to find a home for them. You know, that's mm. the biggest thing is find the home and find the distribution uh, pipeline. I mean, luckily, A24 got behind the film and they did an incredible job. They're a great distri- distributor. Yeah. And, you know, that. I mean, that's not the, the majors, but that's a, a major studios. But, that, you know, there's, here's the thing. It's a, it's a great question. And I, you know, I'd have to think on it more before I give any kind of a proper answer. But uh, the reason A24 is a great distributor is they know how to distribute films like this. And the the problem, and, and I hope studios get better at it, is that they're not really designed. And they, they by their own admission, I've had I've had marketing people at the studios tell me that, that it's, that's not their forte, you know, mm. that is, is, is handling quality films, quality cinema at this level the way they can handle a big huge platform release they they can do that they know how to do big huge you know 2500 screens you know blanket the media that's what they do but not the interesting stuff you know you you need a good company that can market those kind of uh, original films because they're trickier you know they they there's there's an audience for it but finding that audience is is trickier and and doing it in an economy of scale Whereas you're not just, you know, taking the, the, the blanket, the, the media space approach. You know, it's got to be very, very professionally, skillfully executed. And, yeah. Know, and very, you know, otherwise, you, you know, you just, it'll, it'll cost too much, you know, in the independent world. You know, all the way up the chain is, 
is they're restrained, uh, definitely. Yeah. So tough question. You know, I do like I love working at studio films. I've had the the, the I've been lucky and fortunate to work in both worlds. Mm. You know, I, ideally I'd have my uh, my own uh, backing to make independent films. Um, I think we're in a we're in a very exciting time. I think the lines are being blurred, and I think yeah. they continue to blur. And we're just in an incredibly exciting time of content production, and uh, and so I think I think those those two worlds are going to merge, and it's going to be it's all about the great news for us filmmakers is it's all about the content, it's all about the quality of the content, the demand is going to be enormous going forward it already is and the demand for quality is going to be important and and i think the funding will be there from from both sides the indie world and the studio world but again i, I see that really blurring let's bring back the studio indie because that's, let's that's do such it. a great great place exactly exactly guys <laughs> oh jack this has been unbelievable oh, yeah it's been an honor to talk to you thank you so much for spending so much time with, with us thank so you good. Uh, pleasure thanks for having me oh, it's been a joy speak, speaking with you absolutely and, uh, yeah thanks for for reaching out to me for your interest no my pleasure no problem so um being prepared is everything you can make your indie film um but know who your audience is and get out there and do it and remember if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up it's your duty to send that elevator back down uh dom thank you very much thanks for having me pleasure uh jack thank you my pleasure my pleasure well said thank you and thank you to giles Thank you, thank you. And we will see you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening and take another step forward to making your film, whatever that is this week. Do it. Be proactive. Well, I'm going to go practice my tap dancing skills now. Um, (laughs) uh, Take care and we will see you very soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Thanks so much. We really enjoyed that. And uh, I think it'll be very helpful to a whole wealth of listeners across the world oh good oh good i appreciate it likewise take care cheers thank you okay bye see you later bye this was a podcast from the pod fix network you can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com